Now we have a, a theme. We have a theme every year uh, for the Spirit Drive, and this year the theme is Atlanta Family Strong. So we're featuring marriage and family topics. So my next guests, uh, they're going to be perfect for this topic. They are Stephen and Ellen Cox. They're from Holy Spirit Parish in Atlanta. They are pre-Cana leaders. They have a great deal of marriage prep experience um, on both the uh, parish and diocesan levels. And as I said, perfect guests for the Atlanta Family Strong Spirit Drive. So uh, first of all, welcome, Stephen and Ellen. Thank, Thank you, you, Elizabeth. Thank you for joining us. Um, let, let's first get to know the little, you know, a little bit about the two of you. Tell us uh, the love story of how you two met. Huh. Okay, uh, Stephen and I, we um, met and married quite quickly. Uh, I was graduated from uh, University of Illinois, and um, a friend of mine graduated a year before me and moved to Atlanta, Georgia. She met her fiance, and Stephen worked for her fiance. They came to visit me um, for college graduation, and Stephen came with my friend um, and her fiance, and they all knocked at my door. Uh, the 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 day after my or the day of my last final in college and Steve walked in and I'm like wow he has uh long hair <laughs> he had art hair like up to his shoulders and I, in the 19 late 1980s that was so in so I was so attracted to Steve and he had an accent thinking it was from Australian but it was really South African so Stephen and I, we uh, that was in May of '89, and I he called me in July of '89. We um, then he I went to Texas for a little bit more studying, and after 14 physical days of seeing him, we um, got engaged in October, and we got married um, one year from the day we met in May. So we had a long distance relationship of love letters and phone calls, uh, you know, from Texas to Atlanta. And he, you know, he had a job in Atlanta. So we, it was a very quick um, um, dating and marriage. And we just, it was, a, and 29 years later, here we are. Oh my gosh, 29 years. <laughs> you know, I was so anxious to get into your story that I, I jumped ahead of my notes here. And we really need to start with this hour with a prayer because we are all about the Lord. We're about his work. And so as we engage in this important conversation of marriage preparation, um, which one of you would like to yeah. lead us with a prayer? So this, uh, El's going to actually read the prayer. And this prayer is um, written by Father Paul Burke, who works with us in Pre-Cana. And this is the prayer we actually read uh, to the couple's uh, at the beginning of each event that we do with them. Oh, wonderful. Okay, go ahead. Almighty God, we thank you for the gift of life and love you have given to us. In your goodness and providence, you have brought us together. As we prepare for the holy sacrament of marriage, help us to reflect your love in all that we do so that we will truly become united in mind, in heart, and in soul. Give us the grace to love each other unconditionally in good times and in bad. Make us generous in giving and humble in receiving. Strengthen our faith to recognize that you are the one who unites us. Enlighten our hope as we prepare to enter into marriage so that at the end of our lives, we may be welcomed to eternal wedding feast of heaven. Sanctify our love so that we will be an image of your faithful and everlasting love. If it is your will, enrich our marriage with the gift of human life. And as you bless the newly married couple at a wedding in Cana, may you continue to bless us to be the bond that will unite us until death do us part. 
Amen. Wow. Amen. What a beautiful prayer. And you start all your pre-caneness with that. Yes. yes. Wow. Beautiful. So um, you guys, you, you, you touched on this a little bit, Ellen. You're from different backgrounds. Okay. Yes. You said right. Stephen is from South Africa. Um, you are from uh, Chicago. Is yes. that correct? Okay. Yes, that's so right. how did that difference of backgrounds, how did that impact your relationship? <laughs> Well, uh, 29 years later, I don't have the accent anymore or the long hair. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's still around, so that's a good thing. We, um, I think, for for uh, for both of us, um, our, our background has been in some ways a challenge, in some ways something that's that's brought us really close together. Um, growing up, I was the youngest of four. Uh, kids in South Africa. Elle is uh, the middle child of three girls. Um, we had such a different, different upbringing. And I think that um, as we started working in pre-Cana work together, we really learned a lot more about family of origin and kind of how to, how to address that and how to deal with that and how to improve our relationship as we went along. Um, my family tends to be very, very direct, mm-hmm. very to the point. Mm-hmm. And Elle's family, uh, you talk sports, you talk the weather. <laughs> if you talk anything personal, everyone kind of gets quiet and leaves the room. And it took me probably two or three years to realize that Elle was making suggestions that I should follow very subtly. And I'm being a knucklehead. I would miss it because <laughs> in my family, you just said exactly what That's you right, wanted. That's right, you just said it. And <laughs> you did it. And so, you know, there was a lot for us to learn. And there still is. I think we still discover that. The family of origin is huge. My husband and I were marriage encounter presenters for 10 years, and we deal with that as well for the couples because when we come from a certain family, um, we see marriage modeled for us, maybe good, maybe bad, and it instills in us expectations of what marriage is supposed to look like. And then we meet someone often quite opposite of ourselves. That's what attracts us, right? And we discover their expectation of marriage is quite different. That's right. That's right. So, how do you, as you're preparing, um, you know, people for marriage? Uh, what what, can, what might you, what, what advice might you give them about that? Well, one of the key things I think we talk about in, in Precana is um, this idea that blood talks to blood, mm. um, which is a really, really important one within the family dynamic. You understand your family a lot more than your spouse is going to, and most new couples encounter conflict some point with family of origin or with their spouse's family in some way and in addressing that it's always better for the spouse of that family to deal with that issue Um, we also advise couples a lot we talk about this idea that you're creating a new covenant and that your covenant supersedes your family of origin and Mm -hmm. it is the idea is to take the best of both your families talk about it what were traditions? What were things that you loved about your family? Bring those together and create your new family of origin. That's right. And to kind of begin that sacramentally and to see the importance of that. That's great. You were listening to um, Stephen and Ellen Cox. They are a marriage pr- uh, preparation uh, couple for Holy Spirit Parish, but they also have experience at the archdiocese level, which, you know, I will tap into that as well. Um, and you're listening to The Quest, 1160 AM, and we're at this uh, Fall Spirit Drive, Atlanta Family Strong. And the way you can engage in this station to hear more stories like this is 470-508-1160 or thequestatlanta.com. Two ways to give, 470-508-1160 or thequestatlanta.com. 
Um, Ellen, you mentioned you're married 29 years. Uh, children, talk about your children. Uh, yes, I have. Um, we have two uh, children. We, uh, no, sorry, we have three living children. And um, we have uh, Jessica, who's 27, married, and she's due with a little baby coming up in November. Exciting. So exciting, our first grandchild. Um, and then Sarah is 25 years old, and then Luke is 20. And um, when um, when we um, yeah, so right now we um, are in busy times in our lives. But both of my two girls are married, and my son, who's twenty, is in college. Okay, right now. Yeah. Now you know sometimes we take things for granted when we get married, like getting pregnant and having babies is going to mm-hmm. be easy. Um, but that's not always the case, is it? That's correct. I um, I agree with that. It, we we are very fortunate, and we can go into more details. But um, Stephen and I practiced natural family planning for for most of our married life, and um, after we had um, Jessica and Sarah, um, we really wanted to have another baby, and we had a um, a um, miscarriage about thirteen weeks, and it was pretty traumatic physically, emotionally. Um, very difficult uh, loss at 13 weeks. And I remember that even, I'll just skip to this part and then I'll go on to the my rest of my story, but about children. Um, my, um, I remember Stephen when I had gotten discharged from the hospital because it was emergency um, that I needed to go with um, losing the little baby. Um, Stephen uh, knelt down my, by my bed and he's just like, because I was pretty it felt really sick and he said Ellen we really need to name this soul and I thought oh you know Stephen um yes we do because we know that this little baby was um alive for 13 weeks and so we had we didn't know if it was boy or girl back then at 13 weeks so we um and that was in uh, 1990 um 19- in 96 or 95 or 96 and so we just we had a one boy and one girl name so we pray through the intercession of this little so many many times and then uh, a year later um i had uh wanted another baby and so we had another little baby and her um and at 36 and a half weeks they said you know ellen you need to get on another ultrasound a second level ultrasound your baby's not measuring correctly and so um I had a little baby, um, and so they said, we can do, my baby had a heart defect, and uh, she, um, so she was born, and they said, we could do more out of your womb than in your womb, and so uh, I said, um, so we had, I had to have a C-section, and um, uh, a baby named Grace, I had another baby girl named Grace, and she was born um, uh, 38 and a half weeks. And when she came out, they knew she had a heart defect, but there was a lot of other issues going on. And they and she was just very, very sick. So little Grace lived for three days. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just um, was such a gift to us. And like you said, sometimes like your plan is not what God's plan is. And we realized, you know, she was just very sick. And um, she, we eventually... Uh, after she had, she died actually in our arms after three days. We had to um, make a dis- some decisions because she just was so sick, and um, she had definitely tetralogy of flow, but lots of other problems were going on with little Grace, and she just got sicker. So she died in our arms, and then a week after, they um, did tell us that she had trisomy 18, but they didn't know it at the time. 
uh, so it was um, very difficult uh, death. But also through that death, we our faith was the strongest it ever was. Realizing that there's life and then there's death so quick. Yeah. And first of all, I want to say I'm sorry. Oh, you know, and well, so to share that grief, uh, we lost one. It was early, but. You know, we hear these stories and, uh, you know, I just, I guess I hold on to the hope that we have all these amazing little angels in heaven to greet us um, one day. And and I do want to, um, I know we're going to be coming to a break and I do want to unpack the more of the impact it had on you afterwards. But real quick, Stephen, um, you know, what was the effect for you during Grace's short sure. little life? Sure. Um, I think, you know, it, it, it was bittersweet. Um, I think for Ellen and I, it was probably one of the emotionally closest times we've, we've, we've had together, um, pulling us together um, to witness what we experienced. You know, we had a, a, a little young nurse named Y who, who brought Grace into our room once we'd made that decision. And she came in and um, gave us Grace to hold. And we were holding her as, as, you know, she was getting weaker. And this little nurse just started singing Amazing Grace. Oh, my gosh. And the three of us sobbed, and she cried with us. And so the, the experiences that we had with Grace's life, I think, um, you know, it's like God carves out your heart deeper through sometimes through suffering, and you're more open to love. And I remember about a week after... Um, I went to a movie alone. Elle was at home, and I, I went to a movie. And there was this young man with an obvious, very um, severe disability. And he was tearing the ticket stops in a wheelchair, and he was using his chin to tear the ticket stops. And I looked at him, and I thought, you know, this is God's beauty. We miss the beauty of his creation. Mm. And, he, and everyone has a purpose, and grace had a purpose. Yes. And through suffering, you see that more clearly sometimes. We're going to talk more about Grace's purpose because she is very life-giving in your story. Uh, but we're going to go to a quick break as we are here at the Fall uh, Spirit Drive for the Quest AM 1160, the number 470-508-1160 or thequestatlanta.com. We'll see you after break. Hi, I'm Father Jaime Rivera from St. Thomas Aquinas in Alpharetta. And this is my favorite prayer, the Serenity Prayer. Let us pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. The Quest presents Lesser Known Saints with Ken and Chuck. Tell us about St. Alexis of Rome. Born in the late 4th century, Alexis was the son of a wealthy Roman senator who, along with his wife, were very charitable Christians. His parents' generosity had a profound impact on Alexis, who wished to renounce all of his wealth. His parents, however, had chosen a wife for him. Out of obedience, he obliged them. But on his wedding day, he obtained permission from his bride to leave her. He then fled to Syria, where he lived as a beggar and taught children about God. Twenty years later, Alexis returned to Rome and went as a beggar to his parents' house. They did not recognize him. He lived under their stairs for 17 years. The servants were cruel to him, and he never told his parents who he really was. When he died, his parents found a note telling them who he was and how he had lived his life in penance all for the love of God. His feast day is July 17th, and he is a patron saint of beggars. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. 
So, you love listening to The Quest but can't always listen live? No worries. Now with the Quest Atlanta app, you never have to miss out. Listen on demand, submit prayer requests, catch up on the latest headlines, and so much more. Available on the App Store and Google Play today. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. What would you do if all the TVs in this country suddenly shut up? <gasps> what would you do? Oh, I bet you go nuts. The kids be biting their nails. You'd be getting grouchy. And Let's go for a walk. Where? <laughs> Anywhere. And then we got to walk back. <laughs> I mean, you can't praise it. You can't praise it. We're so, so attacked. What do you do when you get home at night? Click. You got to want to know all the terrible things that happened today. That's all you're going to get. I've thought of having a channel of good things. I don't think anybody listens. Just good things. Wonderful thing. The sunrise, the sunset. Going in the woods and walking through the woods and feeling the presence of the Almighty God. Wow. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Hi, my name is Tom Scanlon and I'm from St. Jude the Apostle in Sandy Springs, Georgia. And you're listening to Atlanta Catholic Radio, AM 1160, The Quest. Welcome back to the Fall Spirit Drive here at The Quest, 1160 AM. And uh, the way you can get involved today is 470-508-1160 or thequestatlanta.com. We are here, of course, for the four-day Spirit Drive. This is day one, and it's so delightful to be here. Uh, I'm Elizabeth Ficicelli, and I just uh, this is my first visit to the station, and it's just wonderful people. There's excitement. There's the phones ringing out there. There's volunteers. And stop by. We're over at Macy Drive in Roswell, Georgia. So come by and see the station, uh, see our beautiful chapel. And by the way, we have people praying in that chapel every hour of the drive because we have Jesus exposed in our chapel. So we we just love the Lord being with us because this is his work that we're all about doing. And we are here at the Spirit Drive and we're asking uh, for you to join us with one-time gifts or a $20 or more gift, which is the St. Gabriel Society level, uh, a founder level of $100 or more a month, or to become a business underwriter if you own a business. So lots of ways to give, lots of good reasons to give. And if you're just tuning in, we are uh, having just a, a wonderful hour talking with Stephen and Ellen Cox, who do marriage preparation at their parish. Uh, They're just sharing their own love story, their own family story. And uh, right before the break, they were sharing um, about the tragic uh, death of their daughter, Grace. Uh, but as, as they were alluding to, out of death, out of sorrow, God brings life. And I'd like to kind of pick up the story um, you know, uh, uh, how did that experience with the loss of grace affect your attitude about maybe bringing more life into the world? Um, do you want, uh, so let me let me address that. Um, one of the things that happened to us in that experience, you know, we've practiced NFP throughout our, our marriage and our children have all been planned with grace and the emotion that occurred with grace. Uh, Elle had to have a emergency C-section. Mm. Uh, and at the, at the end of that experience, as Grace was born, there were so many technicians and they, they rushed her out and, and, you know, as, as a husband in a delivery room, Mm -hmm. you feel somewhat useless, uh, for the most part, you're, 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 Mm. and, um, emotionally 
you've got all this going on and El had fallen asleep on the operating table. And the physician said, El is open right now. Have you considered tying tubes? And for me, for just one second, there was just such an intense temptation to say, do it. Mm. You know, we have two healthy girls. We now have a very sick baby. Let's just end all of this. Yeah. And of course, Elle would have killed me if I'd said that. But, <laughs> you know, and, and you step away from that and... um you find out that Grace having trisomy 18, and they tell you genetically that it's a one in 5,000 chance, but there's still a fear. Mm-hmm, sure is. You've had a miscarriage. You've now lost a child. Absolutely. And we, we didn't continue to plan. But what, what landed up happening to us is over the course of that year, um, using NFP, we've done it for so many years. Um, you know, I'm supposed to keep the charting and do all of that stuff. And obviously, somewhere along the line, I misplaced about a week of charting. We were down at Elle's parents at at the beach and we were out jogging and she was out of breath and she kept stopping. And I was like, come on, old lady. And I call her old lady because she's nine months older than me. (laughs) And and she's like, oh, what if I'm pregnant? I'm like, no way. We know this stuff. There's no way. And of course, Elle was pregnant. And what came out of that is Luke, our son. And Luke filled a gap, a, a hole that, that, that Grace had left. We, our family wasn't complete, and we didn't know it. And Luke wasn't planned, but Luke was such a gift. And I think we came away from that, and what we talk to couples about a lot is saying, value your fertility. Mm-hmm. There's so many people who struggle to achieve pregnancy. Yes. And it is such a gift, and life is such a gift. And sometimes... When, when God comes through and, and gives you a plan that's maybe not the one you were thinking, mm-hmm. he puts all the pieces together. And we landed up with this beautiful young man who's now 20. Uh, he is old boy, and uh, he's just been such a gift. It is interesting how, how the Lord works like that because it, in a way I can relate. We have four healthy boys, very blessed with that. But we did um, lose one in between the first one and the second one. And I miscarried, and it was early, but still, it's a miscarriage. And I miscarried on February 9th, and I thought to myself, I'm always going to feel sad on February 9th. Well, a couple months later, we got pregnant again, and the due date was February 9th. Isn't that fun how the Lord does that, just to remind you that I'm here. I'm here. I agree. Yes. So you have this beautiful, you know, complete family with Luke. Um, You're open to life, and uh, and God blessed you. So let's go ahead and and talk about, because you guys have so much experience, and and so you've done so much in marriage preparation, and and I want to really, to to kind of unpack that a little bit for for the value of all our, our listeners, but how and when did you get involved in the ministry of marriage preparation at the archdiocese level, no less? What drew you to that? So when we, first we, um, it was mostly about natural family planning. And so Stephen and I, we went on an engaged encounter weekend um, in Dallas, Texas. And we, um, when we were uh, at this engaged encounter weekend, we remember thinking, uh, we heard uh, the 
the priests talk about natural family planning as a way to space your children, or if you know if uh, there's a reason that you're not able to have a child right now, sickness or other um, things are happening in your life. There's a way to space your children, and so natural family planning is um, approved by the Catholic Church, and it's a great way to do that. So that's all we heard on that weekend, and so Stephen and I um, get off um, that weekend. We're like. Oh my goodness. Well, I don't know if some of the younger listeners remember there was something called the rhythm method mm-hmm. um, of natural fit. Um, it was the rhythm method, it was called, and it was like 80% effective um, because they took every. And so I thought, oh my goodness, I don't know. We are so young. And we're like, I don't know if I could have like 10 children right now. Like you, you think of all these things and we didn't get any um, specifics on natural family planning at that time. So we got very anxious and we did not look into it. So I was on the pill for six months of my married life. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we kept seeing in the the bulletin, um, the Georgia bulletin about uh, natural family planning classes. So we took a class, and ever since six months of our married life, we've been on nat- um, practicing natural family planning. And so then we uh, I we were teachers for three years, yeah. and and in the midst of being teachers teaching natural family planning, the archdiocese someone at the archdiocese approached us and asked us, would you like to be speakers for natural family planning and intimacy hour? Because they would break uh, different, uh, have different speakers for different topics. And so we said, sure. So for 25 years, there were other uh, um, natural family planning speakers too, but we would do one one a month for possibly, um, sorry, for 17 years. And then we we joined, uh, then we been um, doing our pre as at Holy Spirit. You were going to add something first. Uh, yeah, we um, we uh, went about it. You know, the, the whole idea was to talk on intimacy and NFP. So it was it was combined. So it wasn't just NFP, mm-hmm. but it was part of their pre day, which was to cover the difficulties that couples may face. One of them being sexuality and intimacy. Sure. And so what we would have to do is talk about our intimacy as a couple, our, our male and female identity and, mm-hmm. and how our dynamic works. And then we would try to weave into that uh, NFP and, and to, to talk about it, knowing that most of our audience had either never heard about it. Um, and how do you, in the space of one hour, kind of cover all of, the, all of that? Um, you know, we would always start out with a bit of a joke and we would say, you know, what do you call a woman who practices NFP, you call her mom. You know, that's what we would always hear, or terms right. like Vatican roulette and right. things like that. And we would kind of take a bit of a lighthearted approach into it. And 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 I am definitely going to um, in, in delve in uh, dive into a conversation about natural family planning. My husband Mark and I did that all our marriage life too. And we and I, want, I have a lot to to talk about with that because um, people don't know a lot about it. But I just want to step out of this conversation just for briefly, just to remind our listeners because sometimes we get so caught up in the conversation. It's so engaging. It, it's so fruitful that we forget what we're, what are we here about. And we are here today. Uh, the reason you're not hearing, if you're tuning in, you're saying, "Well, where is my you know regular scheduled program?" about now you know it's Teresa Tomio or um, and and well we're here live uh, at the quest in Atlanta and we are at the spirit drive here the fall spirit drive and we are taking a break from our regular programming these four days so we can uh, remind you our listening family that this great stuff 
this great conversation, this great learning, this sharing, this personal intimacy that we're sharing here um, happens through Catholic airwaves. You know, this is not something that you're going to hear on any secular station. And uh, it, it's such a beautiful gift. It's a treasure. I can tell you that not every city has Catholic radio. When Catholic radio takes root in a city, and I can say this because I'm a speaker, I speak a lot of places in the country, that's when you see the faith explode. Um, and I'll just give you, an, for example, with uh, Columbus, Ohio, when we established Catholic Radio there 12 years ago, we have the largest men's and women's conferences in the country with 3,500 attendees each. They're huge. It's it's just the it's just an explosion of the faith. People are tuning in. They're learning. They're listening. They're getting engaged. So you can be a part of this. You can support the station 470-508-1160, thequestatlanta.com. And Steph Ike is going to make her way to the microphone. Before we go to our clip, she has a little update in the giving, and I want to definitely let her do that. Go ahead, Steph. Thank you, Elizabeth. Um, yes, we have a, a caller who just called in and made a nice donation to the station and would like to share that uh, she and her husband are thrilled that the quest is here in Atlanta, changing hearts and saving lives. And yes. we are saying a, a special intention prayer for her right now in the chapel. All so, right. Beautiful. So thank you. All right, Steph, thanks for that update. Again, 470-508-1160. We're going to go to a, a clip right now. Uh, this clip is from Father John Ricardo. It's the, the show is Christ is the Answer. It's on every morning on these airwaves, uh, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. Eastern. And he's going to be talking in this clip on real love. One person wrote that in being given to the man by God, woman awakens in him the mystery of his fundamental vocation, which is also her own vocation, which is to love and to be loved. And that's the fundamental call of every human person. The man on his own could never have learned this. He could never have learned that he's made for communion and that he can only find fulfillment in communion. Why? Because again, man is created in the image and likeness of God. And the most basic thing we know about God is God is three. So being a person, the Pope writes, means striving towards self-realization which can only be achieved through a sincere gift of self. The model for this interpretation of the person, the Pope says, is God himself as Trinity, as a communion of persons. To say that man is created in the image and likeness of God means that he is called to exist for others, to become a gift. Now this sounds a bit out there to some of us, perhaps a little abstract. So let's try to make it a little bit more concrete. The woman's telling the man how to find happiness. And we all want happiness. That's why this is so incredibly relevant. Scripture is revealing to you and me how the happiness that we crave and that we long for is truly found. And it's not found by getting or by taking or by having. It's found by giving. That is so contrary to everything that we hear in the culture in which we live, or at least the most of the things that we hear. I grew up with a who says you can't have it all commercial. Great taste and low carbs. Happiness doesn't come from anything other than giving. It comes from loving and being loved. It's not like we're just supposed to exist and constantly pour ourselves out and not get anything back. If we did that, we would die exhausted. But it comes from trying to live in authentic, sincere relationships where we truly seek to outdo each other in kindness. That's happiness. That's the happy marriage. That's the happy friendship. That's the happy parish. That's a happy school, a workplace, a culture. That's happiness, where our goal is not to keep score. Our goal is to outdo the other in love. That is real happiness. That's what goes on in the Trinity. That's what heaven is like. And you and I, even though we're living in a world which is so tinged by sin and has so many issues, can do what we can to put that into play in our own lives. 
So the ever-increasing experience of pleasure, which often simply ends up in either despair, addiction, or both, can't lead me to happiness. The accumulation of things can't make me happy. Wealth can never make me happy. It can make my life easier, to be sure. Can't make me happy. You can steal it. You can, you know, you can key my car. I can park it far away in the corner of the parking lot, and you can still run into it just to make me mad. Things will never make me happy. Nothing wrong with things, but they can't suffice. They're not sufficient because man without love cannot find fulfillment. Life is meaningless without love, which is why there's so much despair in the world because so few people really experience love with God, in their marriage, with friends. The crisis is a crisis of love. That's why the task. That's the voice of uh, Father John Ricardo. That clip was from Christ is the Answer. And again, you can hear Father John Ricardo Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern here on The Quest, 1160 a.m. So uh, great show. And I know we always get calls about Father Ricardo when you say, what's your favorite show? Father Ricardo, Father Ricardo. I've met him in person a couple times. He is amazing. He's a gift to our church. And, you know, he doesn't, uh, he has a, this big burgeoning parish up in Michigan, but he's very committed to his parish. And he said, I'm not going to be traveling all over the country, but guess what? God's using him through Catholic radio. He's touching countless lives through his his talks. He, he's just amazing. And I'm joined this hour. My name is Elizabeth Ficicelli. We're here in the Fall Spirit Drive here at The Quest. And uh, the number is 470-508-1160, thequestatlanta.com. That's how you can get involved on the computer to give that way. And I'm engaged in a, a wonderful conversation with Stephen and Ellen Cox from Holy Spirit Parish and uh, talking about marriage prep and, and life and, and love, just as, as Father was talking about love. And I think this conversation is touching the hearts of our listeners. We're having uh, quite a bit of activity this hour. And I want to just give a, a thank you to Lisa, to Didi, to Carrie, to Karen and Joe, to Sharon and to James for all their calls this hour, the generosity. So we're really moving toward our goal of bringing uh, Christ uh, to the world, um, bringing souls to God through these airwaves. So. Uh, I want to get back into this conversation we were having. Uh, you've mentioned a couple times about natural family planning, uh, mentioned that uh, you you learned this method, you apply this method in your marriage and could see the benefits. And uh, my husband, Mark, and I have used natural family planning all our marriage, married life. Um, we're 34 years now. So mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of uh, use in that as well. And my husband would always say, I, I just don't get why people don't use this method, it, it, as he calls it, it's clean, it's green, it's free. You know, I mean, there's so many benefits, but talk a little bit about for someone who's saying, what, what is that? Is it the rhythm like you mentioned, Ellen, or what is it? What's the difference and why is that an important difference to us as Catholics? <laughs> Elle's pointing to me to answer the, <laughs> the, the tough question here. Um, it's, it's different, I think, on so many, so many levels. And I think, you know, the best way I can describe it is to kind of share what happened with, with Ellen and I in, in, in finding NFP. So, you know, as a very young married man, um, hearing about NFP and this idea of abstinence, um, I wasn't terribly impressed with that idea when I first heard it. You know, I thought, okay, we're married, um, sex is legal. Right. This is going to be great. You got a license for it now. Yeah, exactly. And, and as Ella had mentioned, you know, for the first six months, you know, we, we got such mixed signals and, and we literally I, d- I literally did have someone described NFP as Vatican roulette when we were questioning it. Oh, interesting. And back then there was not a lot of support. and There was not a lot of true understanding about what that method is. But what we found was on the pill is that it's in our human nature to take things for granted. 
even our sexuality. Right. And that intimacy and that specialness of our intimacy and what it really means when it is just freely available and it is it is put into a, a more common level it, it sometimes loses some of its specialness and and i think what god really intended for it and as we began to explore nfp and take classes and and begin to understand how how amazing it is and actually how i i, I for the first time learned about l and and the hormones that that inter interact and the beauty of the way God had designed her system that we were able to to understand and interpret her fertility from that. And as we began to practice it, I think what we saw was that sex no longer had a familiarity right. that the pill allowed. Right. But it became something that we worked at together, our intimacy, and, and, and going through a period of abstinence together, um, you know, as soon as you're not allowed something, of course you want it more. So, of course, you know, as a as a young married man, that meant um, long runs, cold showers, um, <laughs> things like that. But but as as a couple together, you know, you work through that, and and as you come out of that period of abstinence within that cycle, there's that rebirth of that intimacy and that and that um, togetherness and sharing. And and I think what it taught me as a man was that our fertility. You know, it wasn't a case of saying, you know, hey, it's it's either one of us has to prov- use contraception. Right. It's one or the other's problem. That's right. It's not a problem. It's a beautiful gift. That's right. And it's something that we can work at and share in together in 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 our relationship. Right. And I want to just hit um, a little bit of the science part of natural family planning, how um, it is very effective. It can be up to 99% effective used by motivated couples and everyone laughs. What does that mean? Because you have to follow the rules. Mm -hmm. But sometimes... With any method, you have to follow rules, first of all. But anyway, go ahead. That is so true. And basically, it's based on each individual woman's um, signs of fertility Mm -hmm. and um, we we all um, when we're during when we ovulate and then when when we're fertile and when we're not fertile we'll have different signs right. um, in our um, you know in our body and our and through um, classes you're able to uh, learn more about those fertility signs either um, mucus patches of um, and or um, temperature rises and um, nowadays there's monitors to um, for you to use monitors in order to know if you're more fertile or if you're not and so there's so many different uh, aspects to natural family planning um, in science wise that um, it's a very highly reliable method to use and um, and where rhythm method was based on Every one cycle, woman cycles around 28 days, but we know that that is not true. And that's where natural family planning becomes so um, much more reliable And uh, because each woman has a different cycle. And as you get older, after you breastfeed, your um, cycle changes. Yeah. Yep. And, and we love that, too. We love the, the efficacy. We love the safety. You know, there was no harm to me because that's some right. methods are very harmful. We're that's finding, and more and more so, we're finding that out. I liked that it was a shared responsibility. You touched on that, Stephen, that, you know, Mark would help chart. It just says you should help chart. So it wasn't like, oh, it's your job. You take care of it, you know, but we shared that. It kept that discussion 
open every month about yes. life. Should we, you know, yes. you know, and that's, that's an important thing. Uh-huh. And then as you also touched on Stephen, that you have to look for, um, other ways of, uh, achieving intimacy in, in those times you want to abstain. So yeah. you kind of like date again, yeah. you know that's what right. I mean? Romantic yeah. candlelight dinners, a walk yeah. on the beach or whatever. Let's go out to a movie <laughs> and there's, there's wonderful ways to grow our intimacy. So that's I can't right. say enough about it, but it's so interesting as we listen, you know, to Catholic, as I was listening to Catholic radio, how many times in a call-in show, a woman would call in, the discussion would be on natural family planning, and she would be like, why did I never hear about this? Mm. Why is there yeah. this method that's safe and effective, and I've been poisoning myself with hormonal contraception yeah. all my married life. I'm having, you know, tumors, I'm having strokes, I'm having bleeding, I'm ha-, you know, and they're angry because they haven't heard about it and and i feel bad i, I feel like I, I got let in on this beautiful secret 34 years ago just because my in-laws knew about it because that came through marriage encounter um but so many people didn't know but that's the beauty of catholic radio now they do now they know there's an alternative so if someone is listening and saying gee i'd like to get involved in natural family planning find out more about it where should they turn what should they do um there are a lot of programs. I would probably start out by contacting the archdiocese. Uh, a lot of parishes have it in their in their bulletin, but generally, um, the pre-cana days and things like that will also have that kind of information. They can look online. Uh, Marquette University. There's a number of different different organizations out there that do support it. Um, we try very hard when we do our pre-cana to to integrate that into the day. Um, what we find for young couples in particular is most of them haven't heard of it and you're, you've got them for one day and you're talking to them about intimacy for about an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Um, we start out with the priest, uh, Father Paul, uh, talking about theology of the body and he kind of introduces that. And then we follow in with, uh, intimacy and then we go into NFP. And so our goal with that day is not to... Um, you know, we also know that, that that most of those couples coming in are are probably living together already. Right, right. Culturally, that's where we are, and our culture is telling us that our sexuality is there. It's however, whenever, whatever you want to do, right. and it is a commodity. Right. And so, what we try to do really hard in in in, in our time is to say to these couples, it is a gift. It is a spiritual gift. Uh, it is life-giving and love-giving. And if you think about intimacy as a husband and wife, in that moment, in that embrace, in that when the sacrament is present and you're married and um, you're in that moment of intimacy, God can reach into that moment mm-hmm. and spark new life. Right. And our, our culture never slows down enough to say sex is also about life. Right. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so we, w- what we try to do is we try to build a, a, a picture of the beauty of what the church is trying to teach us. The church isn't there to, to punish us or to set a bunch of rules. You know, we'll sometimes joke and say it's not a, a bunch of guys in, in black wearing a collar who, because they can't, are going to make it as hard as possible. Right. For, you know, we, we, we look at it and say, this is um, 2,000 years of thought that has gone into that's kind of culminated at this point theology of the body and it's really really about um intimacy and 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 our relationship and honoring 
what God has given us in, in, in our sexuality. I know. And, and you said it so well. You know, I think so many people think the church teaching on marriage and family is outdated. It's confining. And it seems like you guys are doing a great job at trying to get out the truth and the beauty of our sexuality and the freeing nature, like everything yeah. else, all these quote rules, you know, is God's recipe for our joy and our happiness. You know, when we start living those commandments, our life, we were happier. Yeah. That's right. I think that, you know, one of the things that with our culture, you, with this idea that, that how, how do we not objectify each, each other? That's right. Oh, Mike, and that is what our culture is all about. So yeah, and and you know, one of the beautiful things about NFP is that it's it's taught me as a man self discipline in my sexuality. Mm-hmm. It's taught me that um, you, you don't objectify; you love, That's and right. that every act of intimacy should be something that that lifts you both up. Right. That, Renew that, your that marriage built. vows, as we yeah. would often say. Mm-hmm. Um, you, This is an engaging conversation with Stephen and Ellen Cox from Holy Spirit Parish. They are marriage uh, preparation pre-Cana couple. They de- talk, obviously, about NFP and intimacy. Uh, and this is the kind of great stuff we bring to you here on The Quest, 1160 AM. And uh, you can help us continue to bring those wonderful things, uh, these kind of wonderful conversations at 470-508-1160 or go to your computer at thequestatlanta.com. You can give one-time amount. You can give an ongoing amount. $20 or more is our St. Gabriel giving level. $100 or more a month is our founder level. If you're a business, uh, become a business underwriter, great ways to um, continue uh, supporting the station. I want to give a thank you to Pamela and to Jean, who have also called this hour during this conversation with more gifts. So we're very excited, very grateful for your listening. If you've given, don't stop there. Get get on the phone and your email and your tweets and your Facebook and whatever you communicate with and tell your friends, tell your family, turn the station on, send their donation in these next four days uh, so you can really help the operational costs of the station. So, uh, my gosh, there's been so many great things we've been talking about. Uh, maybe we should uh, get into the pre-Cana uh, class or weekend. It's a one-day experience, correct? Just correct. what are the highlights of what, what would someone expect as they walk into that? So, basically, we it was um, created, um, Monsignor Dillon, who is our pastor, eight years ago approached um, um, I. I marriage therapist who um who had worked for the archdiocese for many years and they created a program um that uh basically they folk the program focuses on five things that couples bring to counseling and we talk about the family of origin communication religion sex children and finance and so uh, through that program we basically um the uh, the marriage, it's basically guided through um, a workbook, but um, a marriage therapist um, who, who works with our pre-cana and a social worker, they are re- really a great team, Catholic, and they, they work through the day with much research on each of these uh, reasons why, what bring, um, what I just listed about the couples coming to counseling They'll chat about some statistics about family of origin and how important family of origin is to understand it. 
and then they'll chat a little bit about it. Stephen and I will come in and give an example about um, how we had challenges uh, with how our families worked. And then um, they'll, then they'll usually break off for about five to 10 minutes and do um, a exercise in their workbook and, and have some couple time. And it is a very full day. And I wish we could give the couples more time alone doing exercises, but maybe 10 minutes. And they have for each of the topics that I just um, mentioned, they'll um, talk to each other. But uh, it's a very full day and they seem to really enjoy it. And we all, I always get a lot of, out of that day too as a married couple. And you do about four of these a year. Yeah, currently. Monsignor okay. uh, Dylan would love to have a lot more. So we're in the process right now of, of training some other couples to assist us with that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a long, long day. And when you've got 50 couples sitting there to try and keep that going and to, to keep them engaged, um, the, the dynamic of the program works really well because you have a, uh, a very, very strong educational aspect component that is brought to it and then ellen and i bring the couple the practical the livability of the suggestions that are there yeah. and then you have a priest who is bringing in the spirituality so you kind of get all three aspects of it for each each topic well we really thank you uh for the the work you're doing you know in your parish for the diocese that you have been doing for so many years um in marriage prep in pre cana nfp intimacy uh, you guys are a gift. Your your sacrament is a gift not only to each other and your family, but to our church. And we thank you both, Stephen Ellen Cox, for joining us today You're on welcome. the Fall Spirit Drive here at uh, 1160 AM, The Quest. We are here at Atlanta Family Strong's, our theme. You can get involved, 470-508-1160, thequestatlanta.com. Make your donation now and stay tuned. We've got some more great guests coming up in the next hour. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back.